Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. So we go to the Walmart yeah. in Tuscaloosa, which I don't know, like feels like like a kind of a, a, a hollowed ground in Walmart, right? <laughs> it's not the Fayetteville one, but it's close. Pete Thamel! Ed Orgeron has the uncanny ability to take, like, multi-word sentences and turn them into one syllable. It's like when Scooby-Doo used to make a sandwich, and he would, like, cram it all into one so he could eat it. Ed Orgeron takes sentences with five or six words and puts them in one. <laughs> and SI's Pat Forty! One sweet woman probably about 60, 65, all these people are not going to fit into that state. <laughs> and here's Dan. All right, welcome to the podcast. Look, I missed Sunday's podcast because I was uh, not working. I was on vacation. Not because I was drunk, Pat Forty. I was sure. up at like 7 a.m. texting you guys <laughs> about the show. Did that not happen? Were you at any point incarcerated during the weekend? No time at all during my trip to Alabama was I ever even under suspicion of a crime. Or any member of your party. Nobody. Nobody was, we, we don't even know where the Tuscaloosa jail is. <laughs> the John Barry bachelor party went off without uh, legal interactions in any way. Okay. Wetzel had six guys from Boston. They were all named Sully and Murph. It was really like <laughs> right out of like central casting. I was like, I was like, I had to fly all the way to Tuscaloosa to hang out with Sully and Murph. I could have just gone to shenanigans. Let's go to the corner of my street. Pretty much true. Uh, we did have the, we had our tent though. How about that tent? Great tent. The great set. Yeah, it was a good tent. It was a good tent. It was best tent. 630 bucks will rent you. <laughs> yeah. I have to admit, I was skeptical of you paying $630 for a tent. I thought you were getting like fleeced by like Cletus for mobile, but nope, that was, that was good investment. Gave you a prime spot, plenty of scenery. You were right in the middle of all the chicanery. The cooler was as big as advertised, 223 beers. The purchasing of the Bush non-alcoholic for Pat, which I know he mentioned on the last podcast, was, uh, was a nice touch. It's, you know. Warm, warmed our little podcast hearts here. Nice touch were. and a terrible beverage. A terrible. Yes, that has got to be the worst. <laughs> I mean, what is the point? Yeah. Even as a Bush Light fan, <laughs> Bush non-alcoholic. Like, look, good on you. I occasionally do have a non-alcoholic beer. I've had them. Yeah. Like, if you're going to do it, spend the extra 25 cents and get a little, like, at least get, like, a Heineken non-alcoholic. I mean, just come on. Something. Because Bush, 
You drink Bush Light because you can drink like 10 of them. Yeah. Like, you're really going to drink 10 non-alcoholic <laughs> beers? Like, that's like a, I'll just have a, I don't even know. What What are these people doing? Uh, it was, I, I did, I finished one. I even started a second one, I think, I just because I felt bad they were just going to go to waste in your cooler there. But we bought Ooh. a six pack. Yeah, it was bad. Bought a whole six pack for you. I left because you were having way too much fun. And I was just like, this sucks. <laughs> like Dan's going <laughs> to hang out and drink all day. I have to write three stories. I was just like, I'm, I'm out of here, man. I can't, yeah, I good. can't handle this anymore. So give us a highlight, Dan. Well, have- let me just say this. I highly recommend going to Alabama for a tailgate, which really shouldn't surprise anybody. Yeah. I also, and I, I have no interactions with these people other than when I got fleeced on the tent and the $100 for the cooler. But these tailgate guys, this company, the tailgate guys, they do this all over. And if you're coming in, you know, like like we were, we're flying in. We own, we have nothing. We don't know where to go. They handle it all. And this was the top, like this game, they jack up the, it's total price gouging. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's quite legal. Like he could get, a tent at the Georgia Southern game for like 45 bucks. But for this one, 630. They do, they're unbelievable. You just pull up in your car. They take all the stuff out of your back. They ATV it over to the thing. You, you know, you wow. bring your food. You don't have to carry anything. And then you just, yeah, you're right there. You got a prime spot like you're this big time booster. And you're not wandering around going, where do I go? Uh-huh. Who, you know, what lot? This, that, that made it. The weather obviously was phenomenal. Boy, perfect. I said this to the Alabama people. They handled that game logistics, considering A, you have 107,000 people going in the stadium. There's probably 20,000 more just hanging around outside it. College Easily. game day. Oh, and the president of the United States shows up. Right. Right. I mean, nightmare upon nightmare upon. Pete had a great story. Like the worst thing you want to hear if you're in sports is the president's coming to your game. Nonpartisan. <laughs> right. Don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like no. Yeah. Like, okay, you need five miles of fencing to ring that street. Where do I get five miles of fencing? Uh, yeah. That's up to you, right? <laughs> like, yeah. There was a comment on the bottom of that story where a guy said he went to a baseball game in the Clinton era with his dad, and his dad got up in the second inning to go to the bathroom and didn't come back till the sixth inning. <laughs> I was like, that's yeah. kind of what happens when the president comes to your game. You get a four-inning uh, oh, four yeah. break out of, uh, out of it. Can I recount my two highlights of Wetzel's bachelor party for Volity? One was when we showed up at the tailgate immediately we were like, hey, is anyone anyone from the pod come over? And he goes, some guy came over and said, Randy Hensel get any bonuses yet today? <laughs> I was like, yep. Those are our they, listeners. That, <laughs> like, that was uh, Ward, Ward from Birmingham. Ward showed yeah, up. Nice. A lot, yeah, of, nice. lot of guys came by. Ward was good. He was right nearby. Yeah. Hello, Ward. Ward <laughs> shook my hand, shook your hand, lit your cigar, I even think, I think at one point. Uh, he did have a good cigar lighter. Yeah. Yeah. Highlight number two was uh, Dan kicked his extra ticket to my friend Jonathan Martin, the political writer for the New York Times, who reported reported to me today that Wetzel and his crew delighted in taunting the Alabama faithful by saying Jalen would have completed that every time to yeah. a best <laughs> That was not my chance. Okay. That was not my All chance. All right. It was but part of the it was part of the general I may have got yeah. Uh, that's one of them like, may have may have mentioned that a classic times, yeah. metaphoric sully mentality. Let's taunt the locals by like the one person we know who's not on the team anymore and just keep bringing him up. I think um a couple of like they don't follow they're NFL fans. So yeah. and, and that we right. didn't care who won, so we were taunting both teams, yeah. I think was really the <laughs> It wasn't like, so then the Alabama fans would get mad, but then, you know, there'd be some trash talking about LSU. And so then they'd win them back over. It was, 
It was a weather vane. It was just spinning, man. It was just spinning. Yeah, no, it was great. The weather was, I mean, that was just college football perfection. And it the was. setup was great. The game was really exciting, even if you didn't have a rooting interest. A lot of, like, just great plays. I think it's the north end of the stadium where they where they do the, the Bama walk or Tide walk or, you know, everybody's got to walk. That's always a crush, but this was unlike I'd ever seen any sort of crush in one area of a football stadium. Now, again, they did, they handled it beautifully, but there was one point I was walking with Chuck Culpepper from the Washington Post. Both of us remarked that we were literally, we were going to be picked up and carried. Like we, we were not in control of where we were going because there were just so many people crammed in and moving in one direction at a time. It was, uh, it was pretty wild. One, one sweet woman, probably about 60, 65, said, all these people are not going to fit into that stadium. <laughs> she was right. Stadium. They were not. Yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of people just hanging around, as, as you would, right? Yeah, right. I mean, this is it. This is why you're an Alabama fan. You got And college football is frustrating. We all love it. But, you know, two-thirds of your home games aren't any good. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, like it's just not every week doesn't matter. It's like this is the game. Yep. And some years you don't even get the game. Now with Alabama, you play enough good teams and you get LSU one year, Auburn the next, they got it. But sometimes you got to go a long time without having this. So even at Alabama, it was a, it was a big time event. They did a great job. So as a fan experience, tremendous. And, and that's with immense hurdles of, you know, CIA and, or secret service and all of that. And uh, it was just, uh, just a good time. So highly recommend it. I, again, I'm not getting. I should be getting paid by these these tailgate dudes, but tailgate guys. But uh, I'm not. And they, once again, I provide publicity for some company doing goods and services. Dan can't be know, bought. Maybe at least, yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, I can if you, if you buy an epic athlete, buy yeah, yeah. some epic. At, yeah, buy go. some yeah. of my books. Sports bios for the middle school reader. You know, come on. What did you do Saturday night as Pat and I were like hacking? We just went back to the house. Okay. Football. Yeah. I mean, Tuscaloosa is not a town. Yeah. It's great if you're 21 years old. I'm not. (laughs) We're we're well aware. (laughs) We watched Boise State, hung out in a living room of the Airbnb. Yeah. It was. Yeah. We went to Jim and Nick's for dinner on uh, Friday at this huge barbecue, and that was about it. We're not. uh, Tuscaloosa is a great town. If you're young, uh, I, we didn't even dare venture out because you're you're just that's then then you might be getting on a watch list. We're much <laughs> it's much more age appropriate if we just hung out in our room, watched <laughs> hung out in our little house. Uh, I think we were. Did you at any point yeah. think of your brothers who were toiling away, working our tails off, you know, trying to provide quality reading for the people? No, not okay. really. Great. I felt bad for Petey had to go in early, but no. <laughs> Yeah, you looked pretty sad when I left. I've covered like <laughs> 10 million sporting events. No, not only. This was my day. It was my time to be able to just sit out there. Okay. Yeah, you owned care. it. I'll give you that, man. You you did not. There was there was no detail left unturned. Like uh, I was I was joking with Dan on text message this week. I was like, I wish you'd put as much effort into some of your columns as you did yeah. for this bachelor party. <laughs> Well, John, Johnny Barry, the the bachelor. So we go to the Walmart yeah. in Tuscaloosa, which I don't know, like feels like like a kind of a a, a hollowed ground in Walmart's, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not the Fayetteville one, but it's close. So he tailgates at Patriots games. So he's really good at the tail. He knows every little thing. And we're just going down aisles. We're like, just I need that, 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 bang, bang. We just got this cart. We buy a grill. I mean, we our cart is overloaded. 
it was a, it was a, it was a big it was a big effort. That's where we did our. We did not miss much. He's marinating chicken. I don't even know what was going on. Yeah, the chicken looked anyway, good. I will say. All right, speaking of good chicken, though, the other big success of my weekend, Union City, Georgia, Popeyes. I was there. Yeah. I got the Popeyes. Pete Damel, how was your quest for Popeyes? So I ended Uh, up going. All right, hold on. I have kids. So (laughs) is is the start of, I'm about to disappoint you, Dad. (laughs) Yes, I am about to disappoint you. But I'm going to try to frame this well. I'm about to disappoint you. Go ahead. There there was a Popeyes in Tuscaloosa. I went into Tuscaloosa early to write the story about the logistics on the president. I ended up going to Northport, Alabama to... What's the name of that barbecue place? Archibald's. 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 And uh, I will, you know, I know I get shited here for my acai bowl ways, but uh, I did not just get a a full rack of ribs. I got a slab of ribs at Archibald's, and I pretty much ate the whole thing on Friday. And as I was driving out of Tuscaloosa, I saw the Popeyes that is right by the uh, right by the highway. And I was like, I just ate an entire slab of ribs. I didn't eat the rest of the day. It was like 2 o'clock when I went. That was my paleo friendly gluttony that I that I took part in there. So I have yet to still consume the Popeye's sandwich. But in decreasing my odds, the famous Popeye's by Fenway Park, which is the closest one to my house, I believe, the one with the Red Sox chicken and beer fiasco from like six years ago, the famous story, is now closed. So mm. it could be it could be a long, strange trip until I try that sandwich. All right, two things on this story. One, the guy who closed the Popeye's before the Popeye chicken sandwich craze and would have had the only Popeye's in all of Boston, one of the biggest cities in the country. Good Lord. That's like that's like the guy you hear. I cashed out on my Apple stock early, you know, yeah. and made 20 grand. Didn't think this thing was going anywhere. Bad idea there. Uh, two, I might surprise you, but I'm going to say, if there is an excuse for not getting a Popeye's chicken sandwich, a slab of Archibald's ribs, yeah, I, I can't really hate on you for it. I mean, you can really only get Archibald's ribs there. Like, right, right. There's a lot of Popeye's. So, Pat? Yeah. No, look, the ribs, phenomenal choice. Excellent choice. But let's be honest here. At no point in time were you going to get the Popeye's chicken. <laughs> you had no interest in it. You were never going to get the sandwich. You were there for, you got there Thursday. You were there Friday. You were there Saturday. You had three days to get the sandwich. You were never going to get the sandwich. So I was busy. I was busy. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, now that our staff has been slashed because we've been raided by a big New York City magazine, I'm just writing until my fingers are bleeding. <laughs> Ah, turns it. I like this. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I had the sandwich. It's delicious. That is a hell of it's a chicken good, sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. And I did not get the mayo. Uh, you screwed which up there. I angered some people on social media, but I don't care. I don't like mayo. That is a formidable piece of chicken. Right? <laughs> That's what really I liked. It was like formidable. a real hunk. It was that thing was a good hunk of chicken. It was well fried up there. Tasty, the bun, the pit. I mean, that is it. I'll take it. I'm not a don't love eating these. Chi- I'm not a big chicken sandwich guy. I'm not out there looking for them, but better than Chick-fil-A. I don't yep. I I declare I'm with you, Pat. That was a tremendous. And I just think at this moment, you're probably not even getting their best effort because like they're just it's just an assembly line. Sure. Yeah, they're they're not exactly they don't have time for the artisan sandwich. Uh, no. The crowds die down a little. You get a little, you know, the sandwich made with a little love. Yep. I mean, good goodness. How much did it cost, Dan? Because, like, obviously there's been this, like, craze 
and people are getting in line and literally killing people. <laughs> like I, they could probably price gouge. So I'm curious in I Georgia. I think it was like four ninety nine. Oh, I, really? Whatever oh, wow. it was, I, 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 I admit being wealthy enough that I didn't consider the the, the sticker <laughs> price. I just, I know, bougie that I am. <laughs> yeah. Very bougie, very bougie of you to not price, yeah. price don't, check. Just, don't let that bush light veneer fool you. <laughs> You gotta ask the price. You can't afford the sandwich. I uh, yeah. I'm just. I just was throwing those that I just ordered it. I don't know. I think it was four ninety nine, maybe five ninety nine. Wetzel's making it rain in Popeyes. Sandwiches for everybody. <laughs> Did Sully and Murph and the boys like like the sandwich? They they all love their sandwiches. Mm-hmm. I bought them all a sandwich. All right. I picked them up at the airport. Good. I mean, let me just tell you how great of a person I am because I know I never discuss this on the podcast. <laughs> Let me humble. just tell you how great of a person I am. Okay, good intro. <laughs> That's where Sully hits edit, and the listeners don't hear this. Thing. <laughs> no, 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 this will not be edited. I get in before the other guys. I get the rent a car. I go. I buy a kit because I got to drive all. I'm going to drive everyone to Tuscaloosa, right? I buy a, a case of beer, put it on ice, and buy four chicken sandwiches for these guys, and then pick them up. Can you get anything better than landing at the ATL? So the chicken sandwich <laughs> and a case good, of beer. That's a pretty good you? welcome. Yeah. You know, when you yeah. walk out and the, the sled's fully loaded with beer and Popeyes, that's, that's Will good. not partake until I pulled into the Airbnb driveway and immediately chugged a beer. It was about five <laughs> hours later, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm dying here. It's the hardest, hardest designated driver route I've ever done. Uh, all right. College football. Can we play this quote? Because it is now my new favorite quote in college football, taking over, okay, cool, hook them, <laughs> yeah. which really was just a text after, I can't even remember who all those people were. They were basically trying to out Tom Herman as have yeah, gone to a Jack Smith club. versus Tom Herman. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the just great, it's right up there with the other great LSU sporting quote, huge ass offer. But that was done <laughs> without... He didn't know they were tape playing uh, Will Wade. So that was recorded also, but he didn't know it. This was done straight up. Ed Orgeron, and I just want to break down how great this quote is. Sully, play, play, play the quote. We're going to beat their ass in recruiting. We're going to beat their ass every time they see us. Oh, you understand that? Yes, sir. Roll Tide, what? Fuck you. Yeah! Roll Tide, what? F you. Now, we try to be a, a, a family podcast here, uh, at least a little. Adam's family, but it's a family. But when the number one coach in the country offers that one up, I didn't say it. You need a Hummer? I need a Hummer. Tell him, JoJo. I want to be in the T-shirt print biz. He needs oh. to trademark that thing right now. No, it's already out there. It's The T-shirts are already out there. The coffee at, mugs, um, everything. Yeah. My, the greatest line, one of the greatest lines ever. Oh, it's it's incredible. That that's the mic drop of all. After the game, LSU's been waiting for for years. That's the mic drop at the end. You know, wow. Oh, that. <laughs> and considering like the 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 chant that the fans like to use, that we are definitely not saying on the Family Friendly Podcast. <laughs> There's going to be kids going to third graders going to school with Roll Tide What F U on their shirts. I can't see it. <laughs> Home of Louisiana. Yeah, they're wearing that shirt. Lafayette, you bet. 
the best part I thought was that his Ed Orgeron has the uncanny ability to take like multi-word sentences and turn them into one syllable. <laughs> and that I thought was really on display because he, he just crammed that all into like one <laughs> syllable somehow. He has, he has, a, he's just like, it's like when Scooby-Doo used to make a sandwich and he would like <laughs> cram it all into one so he could eat it. Ed Orgeron takes sentences with five or six words and puts them in one. We come. We, we, we come. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was all week. That was his like right. I saw him on uh he was on uh, Get Up on ESPN and it was like the Mike Greenberg's trying to break down the game with you know, <laughs> coaching and he, Greenberg, I love Greenberg, I like that show. He talked but he talks like super fast, mm-hmm. and, and and Orgeron's not even listening, and finally Greenberg <laughs> stopped talking, he just go, We're coming. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I did think he'd show up. I mean, I, I was I was fairly confident that that but it's good to know. Good to know he's gonna be there. He uh there was a great still going around a, a screen capture of his presser from Facebook Live and they have automatic captioning and it just looks like <laughs> alphabet soup. For, like, it was just it was he literally would be the alphabet scrambled up. A big challenge to uh to close caption, no doubt about it. Oh, a court I, reporter, imagine that oh, yeah. a court case. Oh god. I loved Ed's explanation on his Monday press conference where um you know, he got asked about it, obviously, and he was disappointed that, you know, this all got out because a player had it on video. He said he's disappointed in that he said, you know, that's like uh, Aaron, what you say, that's that's like Aaron, what you say around the dinner table. Like, really? That's that's some interesting dinner talk. <laughs> I want to go have dinner at Ed Orgeron's yeah, house. Right. Not we a lot of it. F-bombs at most dinner tables that I'm aware of, but, you know. I haven't lived with Ed in Louisiana. So that that wasn't the official like university because now they film everything. And I I cracks right. me up that they try to restrict college sports like will restrict unbelievable access to everyone. Like you can't even you barely get a player on the phone. Like they and then then they film these like personal moments that you're not you wouldn't even dare ask for that kind of right. access practically, you know? And then they film these like, you know, there's there they are after the game with, you know. So well, it was it was a player on Instagram Live. It looks like yeah, it's it was worth it. I'll tell you that. Yeah, whichever player is, he's steps. my favorite player now. Good job. He may be running steps, but <laughs> another great point too. It's it's a great recruiting tool as well. Like I, I think every recruit in the country's got to be like, holy hell, I'm going to go play for this guy. Uh, how do you not want to play for this guy? He's sending it to all the guys that he's going up against Bama for. We're going to beat him in recruiting. Going to beat him on the field. Roll Tide, what? It's awesome. <laughs> There were a couple gems from his presser. I don't know if you went to Nick's presser, Pat, or you went to Ed's, but there were a couple gems from Ed's. One was somebody, they're like the very quintessential SEC question, like, Coach, how do you feel like this helps recruiting? And he was like, <laughs> there were the boys there, Alabama visits. I think they had on some purple socks, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought one of the things the LSU did unbelievably well was not take their foot off the gas. They kept attacking in the fourth quarter. They had those two huge answer drives, and obviously their strength is in their pass game and their downfield pass game and their receivers, taking nothing away from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who not only has my favorite name of the season but also had a dynamic game. But they kept going. He was like, I said, boys, to run the ball a little more. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then there was like seven we comings. We coming. We coming. All right, LSU is the clear number one team in America. Yes, uh, I don't think even the uh, even Brutus Buckeye would <laughs> would dispute that at this point. Ohio State two, Clemson three. I think we can agree, Clemson's record, strength of schedule. I don't know, but this is what we're going to do. These are our three locks right now. I want to go through the contenders 
for number four. Who's four? Because the Bama spin is 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 flying, man. It is flying. Uh, I heard we dominated the second half. Oh come on! <laughs> I'm like, wow. Like we're deep. We're running deep when we're into that. That right between seven thirty eight in the third quarter and and four fourteen of the fourth, we were the number one team in the country. You know, like yeah, no, that's not how the game works. I'm gonna bat it back and forth quickly. Make the pro and con on why these teams should be number four if there is a pro or a con, because I think there's major debate on who's number four. Then the end will decide who who deserves it now and who we think is going to get there first, uh, get get there in the end. Uh, Pete, I'll start with you. Alabama, why should they be number four? Why shouldn't they be number four? They should be number four because they have one of the three best quarterbacks in the country and they're very talented. They shouldn't be because they haven't beat anybody and they can only end the year with one top 25 win. Auburn. They need Auburn. Pat, Georgia. Uh, Georgia has two very good wins. They've got uh, Notre Dame and they've got Florida, and they have a chance for a third and potentially fourth when they play Auburn on the road, and then they have the SEC championship game. Okay. Now, why they can't, they lost to South Carolina, who's terrible. Oregon. They're the potential Pac-12 champion if they win out, and their lone loss will be to Auburn in a neutral site in a game they didn't have to schedule, but they did. They could have played Idaho. Instead, they played Auburn in Jerry World, led 21-6, controlled the game, and then lost in part because of poor clock management. The argument against them is they have the same amount of top 25 wins against teams currently ranked there as Alabama does, a big fat zero. Utah. Yeah, Utah, they are really hot team right now. Five-game Pac-12 winning streak, average victory margin of 25.6 points. The lone loss was by seven points on the road to USC, which was earlier in the season. It wasn't a terrible loss. And they've got a nice win uh, at Washington. That's the only one that they've won that was fewer than three scores. Now, on the flip side... They haven't beaten anybody with fewer than four losses so far. So they, too, they 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 don't have that big signature victory, and the Pac-12 South is not a very good division. Can I just add one little Utah point that I didn't realize in real time is that that USC loss of people are like, Tua, it was hurt. He walked off the field like a wounded soldier. Zach Moss got hurt, who's obviously the best running back in the Pac-12, in that game at USC on the Friday night, didn't play in the second half. Beat Minnesota, or Minnesota, yeah. Well, the Gophers are uh, the, the Gophers are nine and zero and just won the biggest game in modern school history by beating an excellent Penn State team at home and controlling the whole game. The argument against them is, I think they will inevitably lose at some point, but they also just didn't play anyone in the early part of the season and looked horrible in wheezing through those first three games. All right, Pat yeah. Penn State, they got yeah. one loss, but right. No, the other thing with Minnesota is, uh, I mean, they were trailing Georgia Southern and Fresno State with less than a minute to play uh, and pulled those games out. Penn State, yeah. Hey, it's not a bad loss at Minnesota, at undefeated Minnesota by five points. They have the uh, uh, strength of schedules for Sagarin of 23, which is the second best of any of the teams really that we're probably going to talk about. Maybe the best, because I don't know whether we're putting Auburn on this list or not. Average victory margin of 25.1, better than Georgia, better than Oklahoma, better than Oregon, better than Utah. The problem, they, they've they had some very close games, and, of course, they had a loss in which they never led, and they're going to have to beat Ohio State to stay in the argument. Pete, Baylor Bears. The good thing about Baylor is 
we're going to we're going to learn what we need to learn this weekend. So the argument for them is if they can beat Oklahoma twice, they should be in the playoff. The argument against them is they they make Minnesota's uh, non-conference schedule look like Minnesota played the 85 Bears three times. Baylor just had a they had a we are wheezing to get to six non-conference schedule and not not one that what you would ever dream of scheduling if you're going to be in a playoff conversation. So if they end up with one loss somewhere along the way, that's going to decimate their argument. Oklahoma, Pat, last one. Okay. <clears throat> Oklahoma, good victory in the Red River game. Incredibly explosive offense. Really, we're taking was taking care of business uh, for the vast majority of the season. Had a little bit of a hiccup here late, which is, of course, also the flip side, the downside, the hiccup late. They lost to Kansas State. And they were very fortunate to beat Iowa State. So some uh, blemishes on the resume and not a lot lot of great stuff on the resume. If UCLA keeps winning, a blowout win of the Bruins may end up looking decent. All right. So a couple things here. First off, we have 11 teams with legit shot at making the playoffs. And it's mid-November. This is an awesome year. Like, this is really good. Right? Yes. Every one of these guys can make it. And I think that's it. But they all can make it. Obviously, you know, so I don't know if it really matters who's number four. We have, I mean, some interesting things here. Georgia wins out, and let's say LSU wins out. Georgia beats LSU in the SEC title game. Is LSU still in? I think they probably are. Yep. So I think Georgia may control its fate more than any other team here. Although I wonder, I don't I don't know. I guess, all right, so what if Minnesota wins out, beats Ohio State in the top, you know, I guess they would take Ohio State's spot, though. Then Ohio State would be out. Maybe, probably. I don't know. See, that's where that that would really be interesting. If you end up, if we get 12-0 LSU against 11-1 Georgia, if we get 12-0 Minnesota against 12-0 Ohio State, those are two big-time games. And if they're close games, what do you do with the losers? You know, right. The winners are going to probably advance, and then so what do you do with the losers? They both lose by a field goal at the end, right? Yes, so the course, proverbial field goal. Field goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, Penn State can beat Ohio State, yeah, uh, at the shoe, and then come back and beat Minnesota, right? Like they're probably. But I would say this: if LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson all win out, the team that controls its destiny to me is Georgia, yeah, because they will end up with beating Auburn. And LSU, and they could get in that top four. And L- well, I guess if LSU wins out, then that doesn't count. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, this is this is true. This is why it's great. It's like a spaghetti <laughs> no. plate. I don't Again, even know what the hell's going on. I, not to toot your horn, but death to the BCS. Thank God. There's more teams involved. There's more scenarios. There's more drama huh. out there with four teams. And there would be even more with eight. But let's stick with what we got. Yeah, man, and this is always my argument. More games matter more. Because yep. they sit there and go, no. Nope, it's like, no, look at this. This is an absolute free for all. Yep. Like, and they're all playing each other. Mm-hmm. It, and Pat mentioned this in the in the dash this week. Like, you can't sit here and say Auburn has no chance, right? Right. If there's if there's chaos and they beat Georgia at home and then they beat Alabama at home, they're going to be like a two loss team in that caliber of LSU when it won the title back in uh, 07 when it lost to Kentucky in overtime. Like, I just feel like they will have compiled quality wins and quality losses to a point where, like, if all of a sudden you're wading through two lost teams, you at least have to give Auburn uh, a, a long, a long, hearty look. Um, because that's, you know, if, you, if you're going to beat two top five teams, 
top six teams or whatever they're going to be at, you know, in the, in the final month, like there's at least an argument, but also if Auburn does that, they're going to open up the door for Oregon because it increases the quality of Oregon's loss in a weird way. So like Auburn fits in this vortex in a, in a lot of interesting ways and a lot of interesting puzzle pieces. Okay, well, how would you deal with that? Okay. So if Al, if Auburn wins out there, there is the nine team. I should have had him in there. Yeah. They're ten and two, and you have and you and your other contenders are Alabama's off this list. Georgia's then off this list. Yep, and Oregon they beat three of them. They would have yeah. beaten Oregon head to head, so you'd probably want to give it to them over Oregon. Although Oregon would have one fewer loss and two more victories if Oregon's twelve and one. Yeah, but who'd they beat? I I'm with yeah, you. Look, right? I, I would put Auburn. But in, they are in a that conference situation. champion. So here, the here's the here's champion. the. Here, yeah, here's the thing that's in the mix. The the playoff of late has been exceedingly southeastern. Okay, okay. a lot of Alabama and Clemson, Georgia, two much two SECs, and then Notre Dame gets in. Like the Big Ten hasn't been in, the Pac-12 hasn't been in. Will the committee? I know they hang their little hats and all their little things. <laughs> They're human. Yeah. So they sit there at some point and go, "I can't." Like we got to spread this thing out, at least in the back of their mind, and say. We got to spread this out. We can't take a two-loss SEC team. We've got conference champion from the Pac-12. The leagues, you know, need they could use some good news. Sure. How does that play in? No, I, th- I think that's a great point. And the fact is, they are human, and they try to pretend they're not. And yes, they, they hang their hats or whatever, but they also go out for ice cream, you know, and, and then they have dinner and stuff, and they're not always in the room all the time. And if, you know, you don't think that Rob Mullins from – the University of Oregon, who's the chair of the committee, might sidle up and sit down next to somebody else on the committee, Bobby Johnson or anybody, and say, you know, we've had a really good season, man. Yeah, I mean, you really just check, check, check the way we've played, and, you know, and think, you know, it really is good for college football if this is a national playoff. I, I mean, I don't know if they even have to say all that. I don't that. even think that would be unethical, really. That's just, that's doing what you do for your school. I, here's the one thing, too. I, I, I've been arguing this for a while. I think this is the current one. Yeah. Okay. The current, this is the current list. It includes Rob Mullins from Oregon, Joe Castiglione from Oklahoma. Both of them are in the mix. In the past, we have had, hey, Scott Strickland from Florida is there, right? Could certainly be in the mix. In the past, we have had like uh, Gene Smith of Ohio State, Clemson's AD has been on it. You have to, you have to recuse yourself when discussing your team, right? So why are these guys on the committee? Nothing against these guys or women, whoever's on. It's not a real shock if Ohio State or Clemson is in the mix. <laughs> so you basically join a committee that you have to recuse yourself from, <laughs> which makes the committee smaller. Why would you ever pick a national contending? Like, they should all be from the MAC, or they should, you know, they've got other people here, like, you know, former players and stuff. Like, this is not, you don't, you don't, you're not better at deciding this because you have a 100,000-seat stadium. Like, that doesn't, like, you're not smarter. Like, why is Rob Mullins on there if it's not a surprise that Oregon is in the mix? Why would Clemson, like, and then you got to go down there every week and you're like, I got to go sit in the hallway for most of the, like, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, your point's obviously well taken. The problem, you know, I mean, most people figure we, we got to get the smart guys on there. And a lot of these guys are smart guys who run these major athletic departments. But you do ask yourself, you invite conflict and also... The NCAA is the biggest establishmentarian establishment yeah. of them all. And so, you know, it's the same people doing the same stuff from the same places most of the time. 
You know, that's why it was the least surprising thing ever when they announced the name, image, and likeness committee. And who's on it? Gene Smith and Val Ackerman, because they've been <laughs> right. part of the establishment forever. So, you know, that they, the NCAA is in college sports in general, not a real think outside the box uh, group. Yeah. yeah. Go sit in the hallway. I mean, I'd be so frustrated if I'm, it's like sat through the murder trial. I want to vote. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> you can't vote because uh, that's your cousin on trial. Okay. You can throw me out early. Don't make me sit here. Do they let conference? I don't know the rules of these things that the committee minutiae bores me slightly as much as I hate to say it. Like if, if Scott, does Scott Strickland have to leave the room when they're talking about two SEC schools getting in or whatever? I'm not sure. Um, if so, you should have no one from the SEC because well, that right. debate comes up every single year. Sure. Guaranteed. Yeah. Well, that, I just think it's a prestige thing. So these guys are latching on to the prestige of it all. Well, of course. That yeah. The free stakes. But it's like <laughs> it's like when Bill Belichick does a he, he sponsors some legislation of a new rule in the NFL. And they almost always want to vote against it because they can't figure out how he's about to exploit them. <laughs> he's like, he's up to something. <laughs> He'll be like, yeah, when when uh, when he's signaling a fair catch, you yes. must have your, you know, <laughs> on it. All right. Well, it is going to be wild. It is great. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you for the playoff. All right. Game does not matter in the playoff standings, but I think it has a big. It, it's a big game this weekend for a couple reasons. Michigan State. At Michigan. Mark D'Antonio. I don't know how this isn't the end. The Spartans have lost four in a row. Four years ago, D'Antonio had Michigan State in the college football playoff. He won, won his third Big Ten title. They were better than Michigan. They were doing great. It was a great program. Since they are 24 and 23, they are 15 and 18 in Big Ten play. They've lost four in a row. They just blew a big lead to Illinois. They are depressing. They are going at Michigan where if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I am going to try to run this sucker up on him because Michigan State ran it up on Michigan. It's all fair game. D'Antonio loved this game, and we'll see what they do. But they lost the first year. He got angry because Michigan called him little brother and that whole narrative. Uh, his famous line was the pride comes before the fall. He's like the, he's like the Midwestern genteel coach. O. same <laughs> anger, but no vulgarity, right? Like real thinking. Like, I mean, that's a great line, right? Mm -hmm. The pride comes before the fall. Like it, it chilled even Michigan fans. Cause they're like, Ooh, and then it did. And Michigan fell. Uh, they won uh, seven of eight against Michigan, Michigan state beat them seven of eight, eight of 11, but not anymore. So, I think the pride come before the fall for Michigan State, Mark D'Antonio, because he should have reworked his staff two, three years ago. He didn't. He, he gave them all new jobs this year. The team is stinks. They've lost their momentum in finding good recruits. I don't know if they're working as hard. I don't know what happened, but the, this team isn't any good anymore. And I don't know how he returns. And if he does, he has to fire all the assistants. And I don't know who wants to go work for a 65-year-old that would be on basically a one-year rope uh, trying to navigate the Big Ten. It feels like Minnesota stole Michigan State's program all of a sudden. What do you guys think of this game, which will be much hatred and a lot of emotion? And 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 does D'Antonio have a chance even if uh, he wins? And then just on the side, uh, Harbaugh is, is not. He's he's here to he's he goes to Michigan to win Big Ten titles and get to the playoff. But they can get to nine and two going into Ohio State with victories over Notre Dame and Michigan State. Alums aren't going to be hating on that at all. Like it, it, he's definitely kind of 
you know, you're that's not the level you're supposed to get to, but that's certainly the base level they want you at. So, yeah, no, you, I think you laid it out. I'm sure there is great fear and loathing going in if you're a Michigan State fan thinking, I mean, we are terrible and we're going to get trucked by the school that we hate. And I, you know, it's probably as high a point as they've had since, you know, sharing the 1966 national title was beating Michigan seven out of eight. And now to be as far down as they are, oh my gosh, they're bad. This four-game losing streak, they got blown out by Ohio State, blown out by Wisconsin, blown out by Penn State, and then they were up 28-3 to at home to Illinois and lost. I mean, that's like inconceivable. So they they are in bad straights coming in, and I, I think Michigan's coming in feeling very good, you know, feeling energized. They're, they have turned their season around. They got a bi-week advantage. They've had two weeks to rest, get healthy, and prepare to beat the daylights out of the Spartans. So this sets up very poorly for Michigan State. And I agree. I, I, I think it will be very hard for Mark D'Antonio to maintain credibility and even to maintain internal enthusiasm to keep coaching after this season. I think it rounds back to a lot of what we we've, we've mentioned throughout the year on the podcast. Like he basically said, I'm sticking with the same guys and tried to in his offensive staff and tried to trick everyone by like changing the names on their like position charts and whatnot. But this is the, this is like, I mean, he's going down with his boys basically is what this is coming down to. And they are, they are failing. I don't think they'll score against Michigan. Like, do you think that there's any chance they score more than 10 points in this game? Like, I feel like you have a better chance of scoring zero if you're Michigan state in this game than you have of scoring 20. And they're just at a point where they're hopeless. Like there was unimaginable hope four years ago. You know, they're going to go in and go toe to toe with Alabama in the playoff. Right. And now it's like, you're in the fetal position just hoping for some glimmer of optimism, but it's just all been sucked out of the season. And obviously still there's the off-field stuff that's hanging over D'Antonio now. There's the $4.3 million retention payment on January 15th. If they fire him, they'd have to pay him $7 million. And then there's obviously the deposition he's going to have to give at the end of the season related to the horrible story about the, the recruit he brought in allegedly against the against the advice of his staffer who's now suing who's now there's in litigation that Mark's going to have testify in so and if you're a new administration at Michigan State you can't look at all this including the putrid performances and say they we're going to roll with this guy and he's also the all-time winning it's he's still a legend there I mean he yeah did, so no, he's the all-time you know, leading wins guy yeah like you I'm gotta not, give him a, a little corner office but then there's contract yeah it is a mess yeah but he just four years ago and and I I, I I really thought they had this real chance because what two things were going on. One, D'Antonio used to be at Ohio State. They were great at finding really, really good players, particularly from Ohio. And they get and then they get some good players out of Michigan, too, even though they had to go up against Michigan. But they would get a few, a five star here or there from Detroit or something like that, or or certainly like, you know, out, out in the state. But they got really good guys from Ohio. And that, that corresponded with this time when Urban Meyer was running Ohio State and he said, I'm not bothering that much with Ohio kids. He was getting five Ohio kids a year in his recruiting class, something like that. And he was going national because he was trying to win the national title. And Ohio State can do that. That leaves normal Ohio State, you know, under Jim Trussell, you got 18 Ohio kids or 16 Ohio. Like there's 10 kids laying there that are really good players. They may not win you a national title like Ohio State, but they're really good. And I, he was best positioned to get those guys. And instead, I think most of them went to Kentucky or they went somewhere else. And there was a there was a moment. But now, how do you come back? Ryan Day is reemphasizing Ohio. 
again, it's, those are just four more kids that are, if you give a kid a choice in Ohio, between going to Ohio State and anywhere else, they almost always go to Ohio State. A Catholic school kid will maybe go to Notre Dame, and you might get a couple kids willing to go to Michigan, or your random kid that wants, you know, I'm going to USC or something. But other than that, they're all going to Ohio State. I don't, I don't even know where the opening would be to rebuild this thing. So it is a, it's a disaster. And, and again, like Michigan can curb stomp them this weekend and, 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 and I think end it or I don't know, but uh, maybe, maybe Spartan rises up. It's a rivalry game, but it is a really interesting game this weekend. All right. I know a lot of people listen to us because of our legal analysis, (laughs) great legal minds here. So I want (laughs) to run this one by you because this is one of the great legal questions I've, I've heard of late and it, it, it gets us back to our roots, which is talking about things happening in Iowa for some reason. (laughs) Okay. This guy named Benjamin Schreiber is uh, an inmate at the Iowa State Penitentiary. He is a murderer. He killed somebody in 1997, sentenced to life without parole. Okay. However, in 2015, he developed large kidney stones that led to a poisoning. He fell unconscious in his cell, was taken to the hospital, and the doctors resuscitated him five separate times. Okay. Morbid story going on here, right? Could really care less about this, this dirt bag. Hope hope he suffered, but he comes through. He files a legal brief saying he should be paroled, released because he already served his life sentence. (laughs) (laughs) He died and they brought him back to life. And thus he is being imprisoned illegally and should be immediately released. Now, Ben Schreiber. Uh, you're a dirtbag. I got nothing for you, but that's some inspired <laughs> BS right there. So you got the same lawyers as Kansas? I don't know. <laughs> you know, play the victim. Judge yeah. 40. <laughs> Should Benjamin Schreiber be immediately released? Appellate Court 40. What do you got? Yeah, this is this is the Kansas defense. <laughs> this is Jerry Tarkanian bringing in the valedictorian from prison. Yeah. I points for creativity. <laughs> Go back to your cell. <laughs> it's like the time Ron Zook suspended a guy for two games. And then one of the games got canceled because of a hurricane. And then they were playing like Tennessee. Yeah. And he was like, no, we're just going to choose the two games. Right. First two games. Yeah. Send him some bush light for some creativity. But uh, I think, I think you got to go back to jail. Judge Amanda Potterfield in her decision wrote, Schreiber is either alive, in which case he must remain in prison, (laughs) or he is dead, in which case this appeal is moot. So he was denied. (laughs) He was denied. But if you're listening, uh, if anyone in the Iowa State Penitentiary say we 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 give them begrudging respect for uh, creativity of the league. I I absolutely love that legal argument. (laughs) I mean, you're sitting around. You might as well write the note, right? Yeah. What? What? What exactly you got to lose? Get on the podcast. All right. Race for the case style. Let's do this. By the way, I listened to Pat and Nick's pod uh, on on Monday, and uh, Pat was just threw himself a parade for going three and three. You know what I mean? You would have thought he won Powerball. He was like, these guys hey, aren't even around. I know I nobody, else, nobody else was going to acknowledge that I was at least, you know, tied for first on the week. That's for sure. I had a bad week, didn't yes, I? Yes, you I'm did. I did have a bad week. One I, and I, five. My focus was on the tailgate. I just... I, <laughs> 
I got the LSU pick right. <laughs> you did. That's it. That's that was, the one. That, that's the only one. That was, see, I, I was just distracted. I was distracted. Pete Thamel, 38, 27, and 1. I am 31 and 35, limping. Oh, Pat, 23, 42, and 1. That means Tap 40 is still leading by four games in the loss column. So again, if Tap 40 wins, Pat's alter ego, he has to drink Bush Light that's been sitting in his fridge aging uh, during one of the shows in addition to the general bet. So here we go. Now apparently Tap and Tap's getting cold and Pat's getting hot. That's right. So Look let's out. see what you got. Uh, let's see what Sully's got for us. Uh, Sully, really? You had to do this. Uh, UMass at <laughs> Northwestern. Good. It's the game of the century. The opposite of the LSU-Alabama game. Yeah, noon on BTN. This should come with a parental warning. <laughs> Northwestern is giving 39. Northwestern can score 39 points. Really? They haven't all year. UMass at Northwestern. They UMass is so bad that they're being they are an underdog by more points than the other team has scored all year. Yeah. Yeah. UMass is one and nine. Northwestern is one and eight. This is the most fascinating line of the season to me. It really is. I <laughs> I, I was gonna do this for my lock of the week just because I thought I thought it was so interesting to have a Northwestern team that maxed out at 30 against UNLV in like early September. And since then, let me find them here. Hold please. One second. UMass is giving up their 130th yeah. by more than 10 points. They're giving up 53.1 points a game. So they are yep. dead last in college football ahead of New Mexico State, which is 42.2. They're on uh, pace actually to to break UConn's record for most points allowed per game from last <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Always good to set a record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> history on the flip side northwestern is 126th in the country in yards per game at 277 so yeah. something's gonna give That's a lot's gonna give but uh, yeah no northwestern they've had totals they have had a game with 7 10 15 10 3 0 3 22 in addition to their whopping 30 in the one game they won so Northwestern's 129th in scoring offense, 11.1 points a game. Yeah. So there are 40-point so. <laughs> favorites, 11.1 points a game. <laughs> this is a disaster. I, I, I am taking the, I'm taking the middle. So if, if UMass is giving up 53 and Northwestern's scoring 11, right in between that is 32. That's what Northwestern's going to score. That doesn't cover even with a shutout. Go Minutemen. I'm taking the points. <laughs> <laughs> Pete? This is your tax money at work here. I feel, yeah, I feel like it's it's my tax money, but not enough Wetzel donations. So <laughs> I am taking I am taking the mighty mighty Wildcats to cover. It's like the immovable object. It's like the very movable object. What's that cliche? Okay. Um, <laughs> very against yeah. the easily resistant force. <laughs> <Yeah>. Correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> here comes the pillow fight. Yes. Uh, yes. I here's my thing. The UMass offense is not completely atrocious like their defense so i think they will score in this game and they might get like 10 points which would just push that northwestern's got to go 50 they got to hang half 100 on them which is certainly possible but you just kind of run out of time because <laughs> northwestern's not just like this is not an offense it's just gonna 78 yard td passes and stuff i'm gonna go umass i i, I hate doing it but Navy at Notre Dame. Oh, man, I hate betting on service academies. 
Navy uh, is getting nine and a half in South Bend. Notre Dame is the 64th in rushing D. Navy leads the offense, leads the country in rush offense. Oh, this is a nightmare. I, I just, I would never bet this game. Pete, I'm taking Navy. Notre Dame's Julian Aquara is their best defensive players out for the rest of the season. And look, Navy defensively has had a, a remarkable turnaround, probably the biggest in the in in the country this year. Uh, brought in a new DC and everything's changed. And they're they always play Notre Dame tough. This is going to go down to the last possession. I, I like Navy with the nine and a half. You know what? I, I, I will take Notre Dame. Again, still trying to mount the comeback here, trying to defeat not just Pete, but Tap. <laughs> so I'm 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 gonna take Notre Dame. I'm gonna say that Clark Lee can figure out how to defend the option and they will score enough points to cover the nine and a half. They'll win by ten. I'm taking Navy. I think I think they keep it close, but I'd take Notre Dame to win the game. All right, Minnesota at Iowa. <laughs> the undefeated Golden Gophers. No respect. Get there a three point. A dog. They're plus three at Iowa. One intriguing thing is a gentleman had bet before the season 200 bucks on Minnesota to win the national championship. He would have won 150 grand if the Gophers do it. Now at nine and oh, he has given up the bet. He sold his ticket for 1200 bucks. So he made a grand on what I would call an absolutely ludicrous bet. Just ridiculous. Like, <laughs> might as well bet on UMass. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you're probably better off with UMass somehow going undefeated because they wouldn't have to play all these other, like, they're playing Northwestern. And then somehow, like, sneaking in the, I mean, I don't even know. Would you have made the grand or you just let it ride and figure, um, like, there was a guy who bet the St. Louis Blues last year to win the cup, and he took a huge amount of money in. There was that Houston Astro guy who had Mattress million. Mac. Yeah. Mattress Mac, yeah. would you have taken your grand? I feel like if you're throwing 200 around, like a grand really isn't that big of a win for you, right? That's yeah, how many other teams did he bet 200 on if he picked right. Minnesota? Like that wasn't arbitrary. My guess is this guy just has a lot of money is just spraying it around because a $200 bet on Minnesota is either a gopher slappy or he's a big, big better. Either way, though, if you, if you got that much money, I would probably let it ride because winning a grand probably doesn't mean that much to you, whereas winning 150 certainly would. Um, now, from a practical standpoint, the chance of Minnesota still, even now, at 9-0 and winning the national championship is very remote. So from a practical standpoint, if you want money in the pocket, I'd take the 1000 But if you're a better and you got a lot of cash already, I'd let it ride. I'd, I'd let it ride. I mean, 1000 you can. I mean, you can only get – you can't even get two tailgate guy – tense at the out. I mean, it's it's a re remarkable contrast to me that you're crazy enough to make this bet, yet all of a sudden pragmatic enough to cash in at like a low number. Like right. it's a that's a that's a that's an odd juxtaposition. I think I think if you're a Gopher fan, you're going to use that thousand bucks towards a tailgate guy at the Big Ten uh, championship game. There you go. Yeah, too cold. That, that's a thousand dollar tent would be awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. actually so your annual go... foot warmer expenses. That's yeah, you get a heater then. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I covered the Minnesota Viking game at the Minnesota University of Minnesota Stadium. It was six below. I think I've mentioned this before. One of the most remarkable games I've ever been to. They had beers in coolers, and then they took those heating pads that like uh, that you go on hunting with, that you know, like the hand warmers, and they had those in the coolers to keep the beer from freezing. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of all other. <laughs> tailgates because yeah. it was six below so the beer would freeze quickly so they had to keep the coolers heated so that they would not freeze the beer so gopher fan going to indy might be looking for some spf <laughs>
on his walk from the steak and shake. All right, who's got the game? Iowa's uh, given three. Pat, you first. Man, I'm feeling Minnesota. I'm going to keep rolling with them. Uh, you know what? They, I was impressed by what they did against uh, Penn State. And I know, you know, when you have the once-a-lifetime field storm, the natural inclination is that they're going to be flat the next game. And the Iowa's pulled off some big wins at home, but I'm I'm sticking with the Gophers. I'm rolling with them here. Getting points even. Man, there's there's just the, the little motivation they need to put a little spring in their step and practice this week. Pat made that pick from Minneapolis, so you know Maybe. He, he knows how to handle a home game. Uh <laughs> I am uh, I'm taking Iowa. I Minnesota's been a great story. They're a great team. They've gotten so much better as the year has gone on. PJ Fleck uh should be well, here Ryan Day are gonna be the the Big Ten coach of the year. But I feel like going into Iowa and really it's it's a four o'clock Eastern game, which means it's a night game, you know, because it'll be dark at like three thirty there. So I, I feel like that's that's a difficult place to play, and Iowa can match Minnesota's physicality, which has been one of the their strengths this year so i am uh i'm taking the hawkeyes it's pretty funny that pj fleck may end up being the big 10 coach of the year once again which means ohio ryan day who could also easily i mean he might go undefeated ohio state never wins big 10 coach of the year they haven't won it all the great coaches they've had at ohio state earl bruce in 1979 was the last ohio state coach huh. to win big 10 coach of the year uh, no trestle no urban. I mean, like it's 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 classic. And then you look at like some of these guys that have won it, and it's like like Brady Hoke won it. Oh my, oh my goodness. Ferentz, wow. Ron Zook won it. <laughs> Belama, John L. Smith won it. John L. Smith. Ron Turner. Wow, that's a lot of fired guys. Paul Chris twice. He's won a couple. Pat Fitzgerald won it last year. Sure, he did. This year they got one win. Hell, if Lovey Smith wins out, he might win it. No, Lovey might deserve it. No, I but it's it, it'll crack me up because I was finally like, wow, this is going to be the year. And now his beat. I mean, if they're undefeated, it's like, hey, yeah, you cannot win it at Ohio State. Can't yep. have the best coach. Funny, they always have the best coach. All right, I am taking Minnesota. To me, the key to this was the underdog. A, they're going to get some points, but B, it snaps you out of that high that you really think you got something in in winning this game. So I think Minnesota inspired gets this done. All right, Georgia giving two and a half at Auburn. Huge game, as we discussed earlier. 3.30 Eastern on CBS. Factoid from Sully. Here you go. According to legend. I always like these. Legend, okay. Yeah. <laughs> might be Un true, might unattributed not. legend, just legend. Yeah, could be <laughs> Vince true. Dooley was the source, so he's he's pretty good at According pretty to good legend. legend. So take this for what it's worth, but we're going with it, of course, because this is the podcast. Georgia's very first mascot was a goat. They really? adopted the goat as their mascot in 1892 before the first game in program history. The goat only lasted two games, though, as the mascot because they lost 10 zip to Auburn. <laughs> After the defeat, fans ate the goat. <laughs> and then Georgia adopted Yale's mascot, the Bulldog, soon uh, after. So there you go. Well, they did the smart thing there, at least. Like, the next mascot was not going to get eaten. People are not eating a dog, so... Not, no, not maybe so. in China, but not not in the United States. So, well, and he's blaming, so cute. How could you eat him? You know, blaming the loss on the mascot, so you ate them. That is, <laughs> again, headlines. People say, "Oh, coach, for football is so crazy now." No, it's always been crazy. Can you imagine? Like, obviously, we aren't gonna eat a dog. Let's say Texas loses, right? They just say we're gonna slaughter Bevo and carve him up for some steaks. Like they would. I mean, oh my God, what? <laughs> 
All right. Pete, who's winning this game? I'm going to take Auburn. It will be a close game. Auburn's defense, I don't know. I don't have a great feel for this game, to be honest. I, I picked the, the hesitation. Uh, the hesitation indicates uh, indicates that. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take I'm going to take Auburn on the strength of their defensive line being able to neutralize Georgia and Kirby Smart's affinity for bonehead play calls or game management decisions in the fourth quarter of tight games. You know what? Either I'm catching up to you a lot this week or I'm just going to get smoked because I'm going opposite you again. I am taking Georgia. I think Georgia got its act together last few weeks. They've played better. Defense has been very good. Offense has improved enough. And I, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not sure Bo Nix can, can move the, the Tigers against that defense. So give me the dogs. Man, a really tough one. I'm going to take Georgia also. I think Auburn, I think I'm sticking with my original thought that Auburn's just going to be like one of the great four lost teams in history. Yeah. And they're they're they've got two down and they got two to go. I don't like the points though, but I'm going to I'm going to go with Georgia uh, to take this and and cruise on. Both teams a lot to play for. All right. Oklahoma giving 10 at Baylor. The other unrespected unbeaten double digit home dog. The Baylor, Baylor Bears, the Baylor line. Baylor would clinch a spot in the Big 12 title game with a win where they'd then probably have to play Oklahoma again, I think. Yeah, Baylor, it's how many? What's the points? Ten. Ten. Baylor is so over due to lose, I can't even believe it. I mean, they, they, they have somehow pulled some stuff out the last couple of weeks. But Oklahoma's got some injuries. I think Baylor can keep it close and still lose. So give me Baylor and the points as a home dog. As much as I hate to agree with Pat, I, I'm going to take those. I like those 10 points. I think Baylor is going to be able to control the tempo a little bit. I think they sort of are that hard-hitting hit, archetype of Iowa State, which obviously gave uh, gave Oklahoma more than they could handle, and Kansas State, which certainly did as well. So I, I think game day's there. I think it's a you know a a, a seminal moment for for that program, which Matt Rule has done to uh, revitalize it. So I'll, I'll, I'll take the 10, and Oklahoma will squeak it out. Yeah, I think Oklahoma wins the game. Baylor covers. I'll take Baylor, too. That was a little boring, but all, all what you guys just said. All right, lock of the week. I'm ready. You're ready? Pete, go get them. I am going to ride the anti-NC State bandwagon. NC State has packed up its season and uh, gone in for the winter. Louisville goes there. Louisville is a three-point favorite at NC State. I just think NC State's offense is bad and their motivation is low. And Louisville's been a little up and down, but they'll go there. They'll play hard, and they should easily beat NC State by three points. I'm going Indiana-Penn State game in Happy Valley, but Penn State's in a weird spot. Coming off a big game, got a bigger game the next week against Ohio State, and here comes a very hot Indiana team. Been able to move the ball, been able to score, and I think they will do it certainly well enough to cover the 15, key 15, not 14, not 13, but 15 that they are getting from Penn State. So give me the Hoosiers and give me 15. I want to cut to like the screen of Pat watching like Penn State win 41 to nothing this weekend and Pat like second, how did I pick Indiana? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Uh, uh, It's an inspired pick. I mean, I guess you got to roll the dice when you're this deep in the hole. If I told uh, you in August, Pat, you were going to take Indiana as a lock of the week in football <laughs> this year, what would you have told me? Hey, desperate times, desperate measures. <laughs> the season is drunk, and so are our picks. Yeah. I'm taking Alabama in the bounce back. I don't like Mississippi State very much. Yeah. Uh, they're at Mississippi State. Alabama's giving 20. I think Bama, I'm a little wary of the the physical toll after an LSU game. 
but I think they are they are going to be inspired, and you need style points. You got to throw the ball all four quarters. Bama's only chance is just mopping the floor with Mississippi State, and then and then trying to do the same with with Auburn, and uh, that's going to be an inspired group this week. So I'm taking Alabama as my lock of the week. Uh, all right, it's the pod. Good pod this week. We'll have a ton of good stuff on the Monday overreaction. Please keep sharing with your uh, your friends. Thanks for all the listeners that came by at the tailgate. It was fun to to hear from you, the jokes and all of that. It was it was good. So uh, appreciate this uh, this uh, band of misfit community that we have. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> that, li- that listens to this. Uh, uh, you know, we may not be the smartest out there, but uh, we're having the most fun with this sport, and it is a hell of a sport. Yeah. So if we do a live podcast at the title game, we'll all wear those Ed Orgeron T shirts from. Uh, <laughs> we'll come. You know. Yeah, we been, yeah that have been spawned. Live from, uh, yeah, we probably are doing a live. We coming. We'll we we'll coming to Popeyes. We will drink Bush Light and we will wear those shirts. <laughs> we coming. Yeah, get ready. All right, see you guys Monday. We coming, and we ain't backing down. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.